together. He didn't kill me, didn't injure me. We moved some silo stays, and I was putting them underneath uh, round top, and he's throwing them down next to me. And I looked at him and I goes, haven't you learned from our past experiences? And he's, what, what? So, but, um, no, uh, we want to note in Job 17, and as well, Proverbs 16, uh, this morning, we are going to preach a follow-up message. It has been our manner regarding a few of the uh, uh, articles of faith. We have preached on uh, a follow-up message on Sunday from what we preached on Wednesday while it was fresh in our minds, and we want to do the same uh, again this morning. Our primary will be Job 17 and verse 9, but I uh, will also note here in the beginning Proverbs 16 and verse 17. But Job 17 and verse 9 first. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. In Proverbs 16 and verse 17. Proverbs 16, 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Now, we find in our both the readings that we speak of, we're dealing again with the perseverance and the preservation of the saints. And again, these two doctrines, teachings, beliefs, cannot be separated. In fact, uh, oftentimes you'll hear speakers refer to the perseverance and preservation of the saints, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the reason that God's people persevere or continue is because they are preserved. We are not preserved because we persevere. No, it's the other way around. And we want to bring out uh, several things in the message uh, this morning that we did not, and uh, because we weren't dealing with them in that fashion, of the message Wednesday night. Remember that the word perseverance means to continue until the end. And that's what the Bible says, that those who are saved will continue until the end. And we noted uh, some men of God who uh, continued until the end, and we also stated that their uh, perseverance doesn't mean that you'll never fall away from. You can backslide. Uh, we shouldn't want to. We shouldn't, but we will, and we do, because we are sinners. Saved by the grace of God, we're still sinners, and so we will backslide. And so perseverance, the doctrine, realizes that we are not perfect and sinless. What it teaches is that if God has saved us, then we will continue and we will ultimately be saved. He will take us out of this world because, again, now, right this minute, we are saved. But our salvation awaits the culmination, as Paul said, to wit the redemption of our bodies. 
That is the culmination or the pinnacle of our salvation is when our bodies will be redeemed and when we shall have our glorified bodies. And so that's the culmination of it. We are saved now. We will experience the fullness of it that has yet to come. But keeping in mind that which we said uh, Wednesday evening, we want to note several things. I had thought to speak on uh, the subject of how do we persevere? But the more I've studied it and gone over these things, I cannot accurately title the message that way. And so we want to look at this as, and, and the subject, or the, the rather the title would be, How the Saints Persevere. Not how we do it, but how they persevere. And the answer is, we persevere because of the Lord. That's why, that's how, because of the Lord. And we want to bring that out this morning. Our lesson and message there in Job 17 and verse 9, it says the righteous also shall hold on his way. And you know what hold means? It means to be steady, to continue. And he's speaking of the way, and the way is, uh, the Bible says, Jesus spoke and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Furthermore, the Bible says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for narrow is the way that leadeth unto eternal life. And so that's the way that Job is speaking of. And he says, The righteous shall hold on his way. He's going to continue on the way. But he also goes further. And he notes and he says, And he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. And so we note here two things regarding the verse here in Job 17 and verse 9, and that is this. Number one, all those who are righteous, all those whom God has made righteous through the imputation of the blood and righteousness of Christ will persevere. They will hold on the way. It's almost like uh, when you get on a turnpike, you can't get off without paying a toll. Well, once you get on the way of Christ, there's no getting off. You will hold on that way. Rather, he will hold you on that way. And so that is the first thing. All who are saved will continue. However, know what he says. And he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. Notice that Job separates the two. He says there is a righteous person, and a righteous person he will hold on the way. And then he says, yet he that hath clean hands. So he's dealing with a different person. A person who is righteous is not necessarily one who has clean hands. I give you the example of Lot. Lot was a righteous soul that, or righteous man that vexed his soul daily with ungodliness. Lot had not clean hands. He was a weak Christian. In fact, he wasn't even a Christian because that means Christ-like. He wasn't Christ-like at all. He was a weak child of God. That's all he was. He was so weak that he couldn't even see. The spiritual things right in front of his face. 
He was so weak that he didn't even want to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels had to drag him out. I want you to take and look over into 2 Timothy chapter 2. There is a difference between those who are saved and those who are following the Lord. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19 down through verse 22, it speaks of those with clean hands. Now again, remember the word persevere means to continue in. And this has to do with the, the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Those who are saved will remain in Christ forever. They will be glorified. But there are those who persevere in truth while here, who continue in the truth. 2 Timothy 2 verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth short, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, or peace, uh, charity or love, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so Paul writes unto Timothy, and he tells me, he says, clean hands will make you strong, just like Job did. He said, he that hath clean hands will become stronger and stronger. A person who perseveres is one who continues. Now again, remember, as we said Wednesday night, those who do not continue in the truth have no reason to believe that they are saved. We have no reason to believe that they are saved. Because the Bible says that those who endure to the end shall be saved. And yet we note it, and we'll note again this morning, there are occasions of backsliding in people's lives, and yet they were saved, are saved, and are with the Lord today. So remember that uh, uh, we do not always know the hearts of people, but the Lord does, and I am satisfied with that. But note again, in our text of Job, both men will hold on his way. Why? Why will they hold on their way? It is because they are both righteous. They have both been made righteous by the Lord. That is why they hold. We do not persevere because you or I do anything. We do not continue. We will not one day be glorified because you or I did anything on this earth. Glorification is not a reward. It's the end result of a sovereign salvation. We must remember that. The fact that we are glorified is not because we do works. Rewards are the result of works. The crowns that God will hand out in the day of judgment, that is the result of works. You realize there are a lot of people who are only going to enter into heaven with salvation, and that's it. That's it. 
There are some who will have one crown, some who will have some of all five of the crowns. I want you to look with us in the Gospel of Luke. You're familiar with the prodigal son. He's the one who ran away. He asked his father for his his, uh, inheritance. He went and he wasted it with riotous living. He didn't have clean hands. He was a weak person. He was a weak man. But I want you to know, in Luke chapter 15 and verse 22, what happened to this young man? He got right with his father. He came back. He continued in the end. He persevered. And know what happened. Luke 15 verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. You see, in the end, this son was clothed in kingly garments. He lived his life in riotous living. He went and put himself in the pig pen in the mire. You know, that's an insult to pigs. But nevertheless, that's exactly what he did. There he was, and yet in the end, know what happened? He was given the best robe. He was given a ring on his finger, and he was given shoes. He was a child of God, and in the end, he was glorified. He didn't earn this, not at all. He hadn't done anything to earn it. He was glorified because he was a child of God. Of the Lord. All God's children will one day be glorified. We will all put on glorified bodies. And this is exactly what the Bible teaches. Now I want to ask a question regarding these things and, and look to John chapter 10. The Gospel of John chapter 10. You have heard me state, I believe in it absolutely and wholeheartedly. We call it the security of the believer. And it means that once you're saved, you are always saved. I've already said that this morning. But I want to ask this question, and I want everyone to carefully listen. And I'm taking this, another man wrote it, and he asked the question, he said, Can a Christian fall from a state of grace? And he answered it this way. I say he can if God gives him up. And that's true. What is it that keeps us in the state of God's grace? It's God. And if God gives us up, we will fall. There is nothing that you and I do in order to remain In the state of grace. It is God that keeps us there. And that's why we say, can a man, is it possible that he fall from the state of grace? Only if God permits it. But note here in John chapter 10 and verse 27, we will remove that doubt. God will not permit it. John 10 and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So yes, a man can fall if God permitted it. But God said, I will not permit it. Once they're in my hand, they will never come out. I will hold them. I will keep them. I will preserve them. And because I preserve them, they will continue till the end. That is why we persevere. Because what God has done. Not because of what we have done. But because what God has done. If God saved us and he said, all right now, you need to persevere. And if you don't, you're going to go to hell. Every one of us would go to hell. It's because he keeps us that this is so. As the Romans 11 and verse 6 says, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. If God said, well, you'll get into Christ by grace, but then you've got to keep yourself by works, then it's not salvation by grace. And it's all grace. It's all God's mercy. Now I want to look at our perseverance in detail. Look over to Romans chapter 8. The book of Romans chapter 8, verses 28, 29, and 30. We want to take a look at our perseverance in detail. And the first thing we want to note is God's purpose. God has a purpose. He never does anything without a purpose. You know, oftentimes we do things and they seem to work out better than we had planned. That's not so with the Lord. Everything that God does works exactly as he wanted it to and it's perfect. It can't be improved upon. It can't be done any better. God doesn't make any mistakes, and when he gets done, he says, well, that worked out better than I thought it would. No, it couldn't work out better, because it's according to his will and want. And in Romans 8, in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now remember that, his purpose. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So there's the beginning. And then note verse, 20, or verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So there it is. From beginning to end. He says that God has a purpose. And God's purpose. Again the culmination. The pinnacle. Is to glorify his people. Note where it begins. In verse 29 it says. For whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate. One writer said. Regarding verse 30. He said this is the four links. In the golden chain. Well there's really five. Because it starts back at foreknowledge and predestination. Those are two different things. They, they are very similar, but they're two different things. 
And he speaks of it and he says, Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, let me say this. Is there a person among here who is in the image of his Son yet? And by the image, we mean perfectly sinless. No. That hasn't taken place yet. He's predestinated us unto it. And so having done that, we will persevere in the truth until that end. And he goes and he states it. And here it is, as you follow down through time, he says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That was before the foundation of the world. And then he comes and he says, Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. That's during time. The preaching of the gospel. And them he called, it says, and whom he called, them he also justified. Or that salvation, he pronounced them free from sin. And then he says, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Well, we're not glorified yet. In the mind of God, it's already taken place because it's as good as done. We will one day be glorified. When our bodies shall be raised up from the grave. And the Lord shall, as uh, Paul said, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this corruption shall put on incorruption. This mortality shall put on immortality. John said we shall see him as he is, for we shall be like him. We will be in the image of the Son of God. Now why is it that we persevere, it's because God's purpose is that. God's five links, foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, glorification. It doesn't stop with justification. It continues to the next one, which is glorification. That's what perseverance is. Perseverance is, if you would, it's uh, you take a chain link, and where they connect, perseverance is the connection from justification unto glorification. And so we persevere because of God's purpose. Next, why do we persevere? It's because we are united with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. This truth that those who are believers, those who are saved, are united to Christ, is unspeakably important and infinitely precious. It is the grandest of all truths. And in Romans 7 and verse 4, it describes our union with Christ in the form of marriage. Look here in Romans 7 and verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. He says we are married to another. You're familiar with marriage. God instituted marriage, and he said you're married unto death. And we were married to the law. We were married to sin. But when Christ died, and we by faith enter into Christ, we die unto the law and unto sin, and we are raised in union or in a marriage type union with Christ. 
This verse doesn't have anything to do with the church being the bride. It's speaking of one believer and Christ being united. That's the union. We are in Christ. Like the Bible says, a husband and a wife, that the wife shall cleave unto the husband, the husband shall cleave unto them, and two shall be one. You think about that. You realize the closest you can be to a person is in them. And that's true. Regarding a husband and a wife, they are married. And a marriage is only dissolved in death. And you know what? We're given eternal life. We'll never die in Christ. So that union will never dissolve. It's always there. That's why we persevere. Because we are in Christ. And Christ is eternal life. He is life itself. Not only this, but the union between us and Christ. In John chapter 15, if you would, Jesus speaks of a vine and branches. A vine and branches. There are several things here to bring out. In John chapter 15, and beginning at verse 1, uh, we will not read down through verse 14, but we encourage each one to do so. But in John 15 and verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now I want you to take note here, regarding these words, that Jesus says, I am the vine. And the vine is indicative, and, and if you think of a tree, it's the trunk. And the branches are those things that go off. And you know that trunk, it, can, it still has life in it, though some of the branches are dead. And we had a storm, or some of the wind, and it knocked down some of the branches of our tree in the backyard, and the leaves all turned brown. When that branch is separated from the vine or the tree, it dies. It doesn't persevere. And you and I can't persevere separate from Christ. We're in him. And this union is not dissolvable. It's indissolvable. Uh, now he says here in verse 5 of John 15, the latter phrase for without me, ye can do nothing. Without Christ, we cannot persevere. Without Christ, we cannot continue in the word. Note, we left off at verse 7 and begin at verse 8. He said, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. 
even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now here we see the truth. You know what perseverance is? It's continuing in the Lord. It's continuing in His Word in the faith. And in order to continue, as Jesus said, in order to continue or to keep my commandments, we have to be in Christ. You ever see somebody, and I'm sure you have, they begin, they're almost like a, a bottle rocket. The gospel's preached. It appears to have an effect on them. They go up in a blaze of great glory, and they, and that's it. There's nothing left. There's no perseverance. Why is that? It's because they're lost. It's because the word of God never really saved them. We'll note that in another parable before we close. But here we find that Jesus, we are, at, we are the branches and Christ is the vine. And if we are separated from him, we will not persevere. And boy, I'm thankful as we already read in John chapter 10 that we will never be separated from him. We are in his hand and no one can pluck us out. Not only this, and I, we won't take time to read it, but I, I want to give you this. The phrase, in Christ, in the scriptures. The epistles, uh, the epistle of 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, and the book of Jude are all written to those who are in Christ. In fact, I do want to turn to Jude in verse 1. Note here, Jude, verse 1. And, and again, remember, Jude was writing uh, unto the saints of the Lord, and he, was, he wanted to talk to them about, uh, regarding the common salvation, but the Holy Spirit impressed upon him to speak to them regarding contending or continuing in the faith. And in Jude verse 1 he says this. Jude the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. And then note down into verse 3. Beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. How in the world can we contend if we are not in Christ Jesus? It's impossible. The contending is because we are in Christ. Now this, uh, again, our union with Christ is of utmost importance. In Romans 8, and we'll not turn back, but in Romans 8, verse 35 through 39, it says, For we cannot be separated from the love of God. And Paul gives a great discourse. He says that neither height, nor depth, nor tribulations, nor troubles, anything, not one thing can separate us from the love of Christ. This union cannot be dissolved. And this union is why we persevere. Again, you take a tree and cut the limb off and leave it there and find out if that limb will still grow and produce fruit. It won't. And those who are lost, who appeared to be as branches, 
yet come to find out they never were, they don't persevere. They don't continue. I want to look as well in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Why is it that we persevere? Well, it's because of the Holy Spirit of God. In Ephesians 4 and verse 30, we find this great and tremendous truth. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now you know what sealing does. I'm sure everyone here has been involved in some type of canning at one point or another. And if you don't get a a good seal on it, what happens? It rots. Well, God's people are sealed unto the day of redemption. Remember we said our glorification. Right now we're saved. And it's the glorification or the redemption of our bodies. We are sealed, preserved through this time. And we will persevere unto that day because the work that the Holy Spirit has done, he has sealed us unto that day. Now look over in the 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22. Keeping that in mind, the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, perseverance is the work of God in us. We persevere because God preserved us. A lot of people got it the other way. and They're the same ones who got salvation backwards. They think that they are uh, preserved because they persevere. Well, that's not so. In 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, I apologize, chapter, I have 1 in verse 22, and that's what I wanted to read. It says, Who hath also sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Remember the earnest, the down payment? Like when you buy a home, you have to put up earnest money. The Lord has already given us the earnest or the first fruits of our redemption, that is the Spirit of God. We've already got the Holy Spirit. You know what the Bible says about the Spirit of the Lord? That the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but uh, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We already have a taste of what glorification will be, the Holy Spirit in us. Because that's exactly what it'll be like. It'll be a perfect righteousness. It'll be a perfect peace. It'll be a perfect joy. That's what we await. And the Lord will bring us there. We know very, very little of what is ahead of us. But we can know it by the Lord. Now, this is how our perseverance is accomplished. This is how it's made possible. But as always, I want to give you some application. Because I know that you're saying, well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That God has saved me and, and by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that one day I'll be glorified. But while I'm here on this earth, I do not want to backslide. I want to serve God continually. How do I do that? Because that's what came through my mind. How do I continue in the word? Because the devil is assaulting me. The world and the flesh and the devil are coming after me in all sorts of manners. 
So how do I persevere? We've noted perseverance is made possible because of God's purpose, our union with Christ, and because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not taking away from God. I'm not saying that we have a part in it. But again, as always, if I have said, we are responsible people. We have duties. So how do we persevere? What is our work that God has commanded us to do? How is it that I can persevere? Well, let's look over to Luke chapter 8. The Gospel of Luke chapter 8. Here we find the parable of the sower. And you're familiar with it. The parable of the sower. And we want to read beginning at verse 4. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Luke 8 and verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and it, it sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up and bare fruit and hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said unto you, It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away." And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart having heard the word, now note, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Now remember what we said in John 15. Those who abide in Christ keep His commandments. We are in Christ. We will never get out of him. And the Bible says that they had these here. What is the only profitable ground? It was the good ground. Well, how was that ground made good? Through labor and toil. It was broken up. All the weeds were removed out of it. We preached a message several times. Uh, perhaps maybe even over a year ago from Hosea, and, and, and it, was, it was break up the fallow ground. Our hearts are often ground that has not been worked over. I don't know too many of you who farm who plant seeds without breaking up the ground. The Bible here teaches that in order for us to hear the word of God, it must be, our hearts must be prepared to receive it. How is this done? Through prayer, through study of the scriptures, through not quenching the Holy Spirit of God, 
through not grieving the Holy Spirit of God. People say, I, I've heard you say this before. It hasn't changed. It's still the same. And here we find, but on that good ground. You know, I've been all four types of these grounds after the Lord has saved me. I believe that it speaks of our salvation. Because lost people, they represent the three grounds that didn't do anything. And those who are saved represent the good ground. But you know, after you're saved, you get in a backslidden condition, sometimes we're the stony ground. Sometimes we're the ground that it grew up with thorns. And, you know, you hear a good sermon and on the Lord's Day, and it's really wonderful to you. And, you, and Monday, the cares of the world, the riches, and the pleasures of life choke it out, and it doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Happens with all of us. Then you have as well, he spoke of the stony ground, and he spoke of the wayside. Sometimes God's word falls on deaf ears. And the devil comes and takes it. Like the birds and the fowls of the air. So this is what will happen. We must be prepared. We must be a ground ready to receive the word of God. Note if you will as well. In Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Remember, we're talking about persevering. And that means continuing. Continuing in the faith. Well, remember when we spoke on sanctification. About progressive sanctification. About growing in the Lord. And our lives being set apart for the Lord. And being clean and holy and righteous before God. That our lives might be pleasing. How does God do that? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 17... Sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. And if we're going to persevere, our lives must be clean, as Job said. And as Paul said, as we read them in the offset of the message in Job 17 and verse 9, clean hands, a man with clean hands is made stronger and stronger. And Paul said a clean vessel is one that God uses. And in order for us to grow, and in order for us to persevere, we must be made clean by God's word. In fact, that's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, that he washes us, referring to the church, he washes it with the word of God, with the preaching of God's word. In Luke 22 and verse 31 through 34, we find the case of Simon Peter. We're all familiar with Peter. Peter was a man who loved the Lord. Peter was a man who denied the Lord. And in the end, he loved the Lord again. Take a look at him in Luke 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said, that is Simon Peter, said unto Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Now here was Peter. Peter's, what got Peter into sin or a backslidden condition was self-pride. Peter was very full of himself. He said, Lord, I'll die for you. I'll go to prison for you. And Jesus said, you won't even admit that you know me. 
pride will cause us not to persevere. It'll put us in a backslidden condition. Pride will cause us to think that whatever we do is right. It'll cause us to privately interpret the word of the Lord. It'll cause us to think more of ourselves and less of others. It'll cause us to think more of ourselves and less of God. Pride will cause us to uh, put our wills, wants, and wishes ahead of what God's word says. And that's what Peter did. The Bible says that Satan desired to sift Peter. And Jesus said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Why did Peter not persevere? It's because his heart was filled with pride. He didn't persevere because he didn't think he was going to be assaulted. Perseverance means that it has to do with that you're going to fight against something hard. Remember we said Wednesday night we're to endure hardness as good soldiers. Perseverance deals with enduring. It deals with fighting. It deals with contending. And here Peter didn't do any of that. He drew a sword out and he cut off somebody's ear. But that's not the fight we're in. We're in a spiritual warfare. And we have to contend spiritually. How is it that Peter ended up persevering? Jesus said, but I have prayed for thee. Prayer is a great weapon. And the warfare that we are up against. You know, Simon Peter learned, as he said in 1 Peter 1 and verse 5, we are kept by the power of God. He learned it right there in Luke 22. Because Satan was going to sift him. And Simon Peter didn't do anything. But Jesus said, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. His faith never failed. He never became unsaved and then resaved. He got backslidden. But he got right with the Lord. And he continued on. You know, some people never get right with God. And they leave this world in a backslidden condition. They're still saved. But they'll leave this word in a world in a backslidden condition to their own demise and chagrin. To meet your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who gave his life for you. And to arrive and meet him face to face in the air in a backslidden condition is about the worst thing we can do. How do we not get into the backslidden condition? The greatest thing I can tell you to do is to study God's word and to pray and not grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's the hardest thing to do. Look as we close in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul wrote, and you know the content of these verses, verses 7 and 8, it's in scriptural order. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I've said before that there are a great many people who will not get this crown of rejoicing or rather the crown of righteousness, because they will not love the appearing of Christ, because they're in a backslidden condition, and they are not doing the things that God says to. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, note, Paul fought a good fight, he finished his course, and he kept his 
kept the faith, and then he was glorified. He persevered, he fought, and he finished, and he kept. That's what we need to do. How do I do it? Don't depart from the Lord. Don't depart from the house of the Lord. Don't depart from daily. Remember the Bereans? They searched the scriptures daily. Daily, daily, daily. That's what we need to do. The Bible says, if you'll permit me, Proverbs 22 and verse 6, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. That's true in the physical sense. It's true in the spiritual sense. Train up a child of God in the way that they should go, and they will not depart from it. They may get backslidden. I've got some family members that are in a backslidden condition, but there's still some things that they will not do. They've departed from the Lord, but there's some things that they will not do. And going even further from the Lord. And if we train up our children spiritually, not just our physical children, but if a church will train up her members in the way that they should go, they'll not depart from them. They'll never get away from the teaching of God's word. And they'll persevere unto the end. So may the Lord help us. Is our prayer. We pray that these feeble words might be a blessing unto each one. How in the world? Why are we why do we persevere? It's because of Christ. And what do we need to do? We need to continue in the faith which was once delivered for the saints. So may we do such things. We want to stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Remember, as we said, Brother James coming tonight. He's in Tulsa. He's going to stay and preach this uh, the early afternoon service. And then he'll be arriving uh, for the services tonight. So be in prayer for him and his travels. I'm sure he'll be tired. And we want to help and accommodate him and, and, and fellowship with him as we get the chance to do so. So be in prayer for him as he comes. We want to bow our heads and we'll ask if Brother Jeff might close in prayer this morning. Amen.